Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, you amazing fucking ladies? How's that for an intro? This is the hormone episode, episode 13. I have no information in front of me. I have nothing I'm reading. This is all off the top of the dome. And this is going to be one of my most value-packed episodes yet. I'm going to talk all about hormones. What you're going to get is literally just the extent of what's on my brain about hormones. And this comes from an upbringing that was unique in that I had parents who were knowledgeable on hormones for fat loss. And I had a very unique knowledge base early on. It comes from my start in coaching, which was coaching competitors, where you have to know hormones down to the minuscule details to produce a very extreme body composition on stage. It comes from my own knowledge, experimentation, research, and, and learning with hormones. I'm not a doctor. I always advocate seeing a professional. I, I encourage you to see an endocrinologist or hormone replacement therapist, somebody who actually has experience and education in hormones. Generally, general practitioners do not. And that's why women in menopause and women with hormonal imbalances, namely thyroid, typically don't get any help when it comes to this stuff. When they go to an OBGYN or general practitioner, they just don't have the knowledge base. If you need specific blood work, I recommend that you go to an endocrinologist or even better, a hormone replacement therapist, ideally someone who has worked with patients who are concerned with body composition, because that's the thing. When you go to a general practitioner or just a you know your regular family MD, they don't give a shit about your body composition. They don't care that you're struggling losing weight. They don't care about fat loss. They're going to look at your blood work. If, if they even get the right blood work, if they even get what you need in terms of a full blood hormone panel, they're going to look at the reference ranges, which are determined by the FDA. And those reference ranges are very broad and they don't tell you a whole lot in terms of Thyroid, they can be very misleading. You can have everything within the normal range and still be really fucked up hormonally. And those doctors that don't have education in that aren't going to know that. And therefore, they're going to tell you that you are completely fine, send you on your way, and you're going to continue to have symptoms of hormonal imbalance. Now, hormonal imbalance can be a very nebulous term. What is a nebulous term? It's a term that people say that makes it sound like they know what they're talking about, but they really can't objectively define what it means, right? So when I say hormonal imbalance, I'm namely talking about these hormones, your sex hormones, which are testosterone, estrogen, your stress hormone, which is cortisol, your stress amino acid, which is homocysteine, your progesterone, and your thyroid hormone, which is TSH, T3, and T4. And you have reverse T3 as well and free T3 as well. There's a lot of, of them, okay? But I'm going to keep it as simple as I can. And again, I have nothing in front of me right now. This is all off the dome for you all, okay? so. Take this for what it is, just a guy who happens to know a little bit more about hormones than the average douchebag. <laughs> I'm not a douchebag. At least I don't, I hope I'm not. Am I? I don't know. I don't think so. Done a lot of work on that. Hopefully I'm not. Used to be. Anyway, hormones. So when we talk about hormones affecting fat loss, I do want to give this disclaimer that hormones do not directly affect fat loss. Now, it's, the wording there is very important because a lot of you, I don't want to invalidate your beliefs about hormones. 
hormones can absolutely affect the process and can absolutely make fat loss harder, but they don't directly impact fat loss. And it's important that I say that because no matter how optimal and healthy your hormones are, if you don't have the basic tenets of walking a lot, you know, being very active and having some kind of awareness around your caloric intake and especially your protein intake, you can still be morbidly obese and struggle with your weight. A morbidly obese person can have the healthiest hormones on the planet. And they're going to be morbidly obese because they barely move and they eat a lot. Okay. And that's just as simple as it gets, ladies. And I have to say that. That being said, those of you who have gone through menopause or in the midst of menopause, have gone through pregnancy, et cetera, know for a fact that hormones do put a real wrench in things and make you feel like absolute shit or make you feel like you're on top of the world or make you feel like you're losing your mind or make you feel super emotional. I have a personal story about estrogen in particular that I'll get to. Estrogen is a very powerful hormone. This is, the, this, is, this is what gave me a huge respect for menstrual cycles, okay? When I first started experimenting with testosterone as, as a means to enhance my physique when I was in my mid-20s, I'd say like 24 years old, I, no one educated me yet about... I, I had some education on it, but I didn't realize how powerful the feedback mechanism is. So with estrogen and testosterone, they have kind of a, a relationship where if you increase one, the other one increases proportionally to an extent that this varies with everyone. This is why hormones are so complicated because with men as well, it's very individual. So, so, and that's why some men get super serious side effects from anabolic steroids and some don't get any side effects. It's very individual. And that's why it's also stupid to say that, you know, like one hormone affects everyone the same way. It doesn't. There are some things that are universal, but anyway, when I start, when I in introduced a higher level of exogenous, meaning outside the body, testosterone to my, to, you know, synthetic testosterone to my body, my estrogen increased proportionally, and I didn't keep my estrogen in check. When you are using synthetic testosterone, whether it's you know for performance enhancing purposes or it's for hormone replacement purposes. You're going to, every man metabolizes that in, in a different way. So some men may have a sharp increase in their estrogen and have to take medication like an astrazole, for instance, to lower that estrogen or keep it in a manageable, keep it at a manageable level. And some men don't have to take much at all, right? I'm someone who aromatizes, meaning I convert a lot of estrogen in my body um, pretty, pretty at a pretty high level. So I have to stay on top of it. Anyway, I didn't realize this because Although I knew that the, the effects of it, I didn't understand how my body would react. Well, it reacted and I got pretty high estrogen. And let me just tell you, I was an emotional wreck from having estrogen that was beyond the healthy range. I was stressed. I thought my life was coming to an end. I was so paranoid about things. Estrogen is a powerful fucking hormone. And then it dawned on me, women go through this every month. <laughs> That's when I gained so much awareness and respect for what women go through every month prior to menopause. Every month, your estrogen surges. No wonder it's difficult for everyone. Like it's, oh my, I can't even imagine that happened to me every month. I'm so glad as a man, I don't have to deal with that. God, I bless you all. I bless you all. And then you go through it again in pregnancy when your progesterone goes through the roof and then menopause, estrogen and progesterone decrease to a, to a halt from the ovaries. Like it's, it's wild what you all, you all being women, 
go through on a hormonal level. So anyway, let's talk about how it affects fat loss. When it comes to... We're going to talk about estrogen, cortisol, progesterone, and, and, and thyroid hormone. Now, let me break down thyroid hormone real quick. When you get thyroid blood work, uh, if it's complete, you're going to have T3, T4, and TSH. T3 is active thyroid hormone. So we want a good amount of that. T4 is inactive thyroid hormone. And TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. Thyroid stimulating hormone is produced in the pituitary gland. And that's what signals your thyroid to produce the, the other two, T, T3 and T4. You also have what's called reverse T3, which attaches to the same receptors as T3. And we don't want a lot of that because that decreases the amount of T3 in your bloodstream. Okay. So what we want. And I'm, I'm simplifying this as much as I can just to make it like digestible here. When you look at your blood work, you want all those in the normal range, but you want TSH on the low end of normal. That means that your, your pituitary gland isn't having to work super hard to stimulate your thyroid. You want T3 in the healthy range, but on the higher end. So you want TSH on the lower end, T3 on the higher end. So when you look at those numbers and it'll give a little reference range there. You want T3 on the higher end of those of that range and TSH on the lower end of that range. That would indicate a healthy metabolism because T3 is the metabolic thyroid hormone, okay? You have higher T3, it means you have a, a, a reasonably healthy metabolism, okay? Now, what is indicative of, say, hypothyroidism? Then you would have higher T3. It means your pituitary glands having to work super hard, right? And then you have lower T3, which means you have less active thyroid hormones. So your metabolism is a little bit slower. So... When you look at blood work, I just told you more than your doctor, a general practitioner at least, is going to tell you, okay? Because what they're going to do is they're going to look at your blood work, and if both those things are in range, they'll send you on your way more than likely. However, as I just explained, if both are in normal range, but TSH is super high and T3 is super low, that's indicative of hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, right? In more extreme cases. So that's something that you want to be knowledgeable of because if you go to your doctor and they tell you you're in the normal range, but you look and you see T3 is super high and T3 is super low, well, you need to find a new doctor that's going to help you get those in range because that is going to be, that is going to affect your metabolism, your basal metabolic rate, right? So when we think about how your thyroid hormone helps us burn more calories, so the way we burn calories is called your total daily energy expenditure. So you have your basal metabolic rate, which is the amount of calories you burn just functioning and living, right? Pumping blood, breathing, respirating, all those things, right? That's basal metabolic rate. That's 70% or more of your calories burned, okay? It's the bulk of them, just functioning. It takes a lot of energy to run your body every day, right? Thinking, just thinking, using cognitive cognition costs calories, okay? Glucose, which comes from carbs. 15% of your calories burned every day comes from your non-exercise activity. So your step count, basically. Just how active you are during the day. Chasing the kids, beating your husband, all this stuff. And I've outlined this on other episodes. I'm just going over it again just to give it a little review. 10% of your calories burned comes from digesting food. This is called the thermic effect of food. Protein has the highest thermic effect of food, followed by carbohydrates. Sorry, keto. 5% of your calories burned every day comes from exercise. And it makes sense when you look at it from a time frame perspective. Like the average workout is what, 30 minutes to an hour? Okay, you got 23 and a half other hours of, of your day. So now we understand why you burn so few calories through exercise. It's just not a big chunk of your day, right? Even less of a chunk of your week. Think about it that way. Now we really see why focusing only on exercise 
doesn't really make a big difference, right? Biggest difference comes from how active you are in general, your nutrition, which is going to be you know higher protein nutrition, always going to burn more calories that way. And then your basal metabolic rate. Now your basal metabolic rate, the 70% is affected primarily by, by two things. It's affected by more than two, but the, the two of the main drivers are your body composition, which is your muscle tissue and your body fat, like the ratio of the two and your thyroid hormone. Okay. So someone who has more T3 active thyroid hormone in their bloodstream is going to burn more calories at rest than someone who does not. And that's just the fact. Okay. So someone who we can arguably say someone who has a healthier amount of T3 active thyroid hormone in their bloodstream is going to have an easier time with fat loss because they're burning more calories at rest. We can also definitively say that someone who has more muscle tissue is going to burn more calories at rest because muscle is more calorically expensive to maintain. So judging by what I just told you, it makes very clear sense that if you want to put yourself in the best position to burn more fat, then you want to have as much muscle as possible. You want to have as much active thyroid hormone as possible. You want to eat as much protein as possible because of the thermic effect of food. You want to walk as much as possible. And in the exercise portion, you want to make sure you're lifting weights because that's what makes you gain muscle tissue. I just gave you the most simple breakdown of how to maximize your fat loss efforts right there. Show me some applause. Okay, just kidding. So back to hormones. You convert. So I, I, I laid out, Jesus, that air conditioner is so loud. Hope y'all didn't hear that. It's like a it's like a fucking like a Autobot, it's like Megatron. Anyway, cools the house very well. So I'm a squirrel brain sometimes. I'm so sorry. When we look at thyroid hormone, I laid out TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, comes from the pituitary gland. You have active thyroid hormone, which is T3. You have inactive thyroid hormone, which is T4. You convert T4 to T3 outside of the thyroid. So the thyroid is in your throat, okay? It pulsates out T3 and T4. You convert T4 to T3 outside of the thyroid hormone in the liver, kidney, and in the gut and a couple, couple other organs, okay? So all, all of thyroid hormones, the majority of it is converted outside of the thyroid, okay? So how do we convert more thyroid hormone? Well, in the liver, that process requires glucose. Well, what is glucose? Glucose comes from carbohydrates, okay? So the more carbohydrates you eat, typically, we've, and we see this with blood work, people who consume more regular meals and higher caloric intake have more T3 in their bloodstream on their blood work. And people who are chronic dieters and restrict calories too much, and especially people who cut carbohydrates, have much lower T3 on blood work. All right? So from what I just said, one can surmise reasonably that cutting carbohydrates is a great way to burn less calories at rest and therefore make fat loss harder. Why do people lose weight on low-carb diets? I'm not going to get into this big spiel on this episode. I will get, do a whole episode on keto, but... Why do people lose weight on low-carb diets? Because they're eating less calories as a whole, okay? So great, you've, you've, eat, you've reduced your caloric consumption by eliminating carbohydrates, but the long-term effect is you are converting less thyroid hormone, which means that down the road, it's going to be way harder for you to continue losing weight because you've now cut that portion of your basal metabolic rate off, all right? We also convert more thyroid hormone in the gut. 
So as far as gut health goes, just a brief rundown of gut health. I may do a whole episode on gut health as well. You know, prebiotic foods. So, you know, your, your strawberries, your bananas, your potatoes, your mushrooms, stuff that, you know, watermelon, stuff that has prebiotics. And then your probiotic foods, which are fermented foods, your kefir, your sauerkraut, your kombucha, kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, and uh, kimchi, right? As well as other, there's other fermented foods as well. Raw dairy is, has, has bacteria in it as well. The probiotics from the fermented foods consume the prebiotics from the prebiotic foods and create postbiotics. Eating enough fiber, dietary fiber from your foods, right? So eating enough oatmeal, you know, potatoes, stuff, stuff that's higher in fiber, legumes, stuff like that, right? Making sure that you have enough dietary fiber. For most people, that's about 25 grams a day. For women, I would say 35 plus for men, generally. The more, the better, whatever. And uh, you know, then you'll, you'll have healthy gut, right? So gut health is important. Making sure you're getting the, the proper amount of healthy bacteria in your gut. Kidneys, you know, you just generally just want to drink enough water. Make sure that you're not consuming anything that would be unhealthy for your kidneys. Again, see a doctor if you have kidney issues. So, so that's how we, you know, can create an environment where we're converting more due to what we're eating. Now, let's talk about cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. A lot of us have heard about cortisol, right? Cortisol is is a hormone that we do need in the body. It, it actually does a lot in the body in a positive way. So we do need it. Just like men need estrogen, women need testosterone. We, we all need cortisol in a certain amount, right? It's all about having the healthy ratio of these hormones. Cortisol is a stress hormone that increases during times of emotional, physical, mental stress. So you want to, right off the bat, we know right there, you want to find ways to manage stress holistically as best you can. One thing that I firmly believe in is deep breathing and meditation. These are two things that do have clinical backing to show that they do reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety. So Breath work, big time, big time believer in that. Wim Hof, if you do any deep nasal breathing, um, if you don't do it, I highly recommend it. Read a book. If you want to learn about why breathing is so important and how oxygen is the nu nutrient that a lot of people are deficient on, I would say almost everyone is deficient on because we don't nasal breathe or deep nasal breathe anymore. Read a book by James Nestor called Breathe. And it goes back and educates us on how the human skull has formed over time as a result of the development of speech, how the, the, the skull recessed to allow for speech to happen. And we used to have much larger noses and, and we're, we're able to actually nasal breathe much deeper. Allergies didn't exist pretty much prior to the development of speech. Sleep apnea didn't exist prior to the development of speech. So although we needed speech to communicate, it really fucked us up royally when it came to breathing and they do an experiment in this book where they actually tape their noses and just mouth breathe for weeks. And every almost every health marker on their blood work decreased as a result of doing that. Remarkable. So deep nasal breathing, meditation, mindfulness, great practice to reduce stress. And then look at the source, you know, you know setting boundaries with people, just, just things, things that will help you, you know, holistically manage your stress, taking time for you, making sure you're pouring into your own cup, prioritizing your needs before you start taking care of the world every day. How you start your day is very pivotal to that, okay? So when we reduce stress, we reduce cortisol. Why is that important? Well, cortisol has an inverse relationship with thyroid hormone. The more cortisol you have in your bloodstream, the less thyroid hormone you're going to produce. So making sure that you manage your cortisol is a great way to make sure you produce more thyroid hormone. Also, cortisol has a relationship with estrogen. The more cortisol you have, Typically, the more your estrogen is going to increase as well. So we have a inverse relationship here with cortisol, estrogen, and thyroid. The more cortisol you have, the more estrogen you're going to have, and the less thyroid hormone you're going to produce. And the opposite applies. The more thyroid hormone you have, less cortisol you're going to have, less estrogen, excess estrogen you're going to have. I should say estrogen. 
So here comes progesterone. Progesterone is a very protective hormone. It's a good hormone. It's a healthy hormone. Cortisol, excess cortisol means less progesterone. So now we have this relationship between cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, and thyroid. The more cortisol and estrogen, the less progesterone and thyroid hormone. So we want to do everything we can to both reduce cortisol and increase thyroid hormone conversion. Now, a lot of you, I would say thousands of you always ask me, does this apply if I don't have a thyroid? Does this apply if I have PCOS? Does this apply if I'm hypothyroidism? Does this apply if I'm in menopause? Yes to all of the above, because no matter what, even if you don't have a thyroid and you're using synthetic replacements such as Synthroid or Armor or what have you, that's another one. Even if you're taking medication to replicate thyroid hormone, you still want to convert as much as you can. So doing these things will help you regardless of what stage of life you're in, what ailment you have. Obviously, consult with your physician, obviously, right? Like I always say, but all of this guidance applies, okay? I'm a huge advocate for not cutting carbs and not cutting sugar because of everything I just laid out for you. Not only do simple sugars, say from fruit, blunt cortisol production, they also encourage thyroid hormone production. So whoever tells you that fruit makes you fat is a fucking moron. No one ever, no one in the history of the world has gotten obese from eating too many goddamn bananas. Nobody, not a fucking person has ever gotten fat from fruit. Fruit per calorie is less fattening than almost any other food. It also has micronutrients. It also has fiber. Eat fruit, eat it abundantly, right? Track calories. But eat fruit. The more fruit you eat, the more fructose you're going to have. Guess what? Fructose doesn't require insulin to enter the cells of our body like glucose does. So glucose you get from starches like you know rice, potatoes, stuff like that. Fructose you get from fruit. Okay, and, and, and there's a lot of honey that has both. So we want to get a combination. But the more fruit you eat, the better. It's got fiber. It's got vitamins and minerals. And it's got fructose. It's going to help you convert more active thyroid hormone in the liver. Right? Now... When it comes to like, let's just say that you are like ridiculously deficient on hormones, okay? Like menopause where you're, where you've, you're full on menopause and you, you're not producing estrogen and progesterone anymore. Well, that can be hell and there's not a whole lot you can do nutritionally to help that. We can, you can still burn fat, absolutely. But here's why it gets harder to burn fat as we age, especially for those of you going through menopause. It's going to blow your mind, okay? What happens is, number one, you're less active. Let's be honest. As we get older, we're less active, okay? So down goes that non-exercise activity category. The other thing that happens is muscle loss, especially if we don't lift weights frequently. If you don't lift weights consistently as you get older, you're going to have some muscle wastage, okay? When you lose muscle, you burn less calories at rest because remember when I laid that out earlier, muscle tissue is more calorically expensive. So if we lose muscle, we're going to burn less calories at rest. So less active not lifting weights. We, we, we have muscle wastage. Okay. So with those two things, let's just say that it, up until menopause or up until pregnancy or whatever, it took you, you know, 2000 calories would maintain your weight. Well, now, since you are eating less probably, and you're, so which, which means you're, you have less T3, which means you're converting less thyroid hormone. You have muscle wastage from not lifting weights and natural muscle wastage as a result of age. And your protein consumption is down, so you're burning less calories from the thermic effect of food. And you're less active, so you're burning less calories from, you know, being inactive, right? From so from non-exercise activity. So now that we are burning way less calories because of all those things, let's say now it takes 
you know, 1700 calories, 300 less, but you know, that 300 makes a huge difference. And I'm gonna tell you how it takes you 1700 calories instead of 2000. So you've been eating 2000 that's maintained your weight. Now you're still eating 2000, but it's your, your BMRs dropped down to 1700. Now you're in a 300 calorie surplus, which makes you gain weight. This is the culprit for the inexplicable weight gain. It's not directly hormones. It's not. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, and everyone who says it is just isn't tracking their goddamn calories. <laughs> this is the harsh truth because I'm, I'm validating your beliefs that hormones do make it a hell of a lot harder. But I'm also telling you that it's your habits that are making, that are resulting in the weight gain. And I'm definitely not saying it's fucking easy. It's not easy. It's hard, right? That's why you see very few people in shape because it's hard, especially as we get older. Okay. But that's why. So now you're, it takes, you know, your maintenance is 1700. You're eating a 2000. Now you're in a 300 calorie surplus and this inexplicable weight gain happens, right? So what do you do? What do you do? Well, number one, you fix those habits, which is eat a lot of protein. For most people, you just take your goal weight times 0.7, and that'll give you a reasonable number to shoot for. If you don't want to do that, just aim for 100 grams and just walk it up from where you're at gradually. I've, I've gone over this in the other episodes. Walk more. Track your steps. Get out for a walk every day. Two if you can. Increase your steps. Fat loss gets a lot easier when you do that. And then lift weights, right? Eat more protein. Walk more. Lift weights. If you do that, you really don't even have to track calories that, that closely, right? Now, if you're doing all that and you are deficient on hormones, it's time to probably think about hormone re- replacement therapy because there's some hormone, you can't just bring hormones back from the dead and you don't have to let nature take its course and just take away your quality of life. You don't have to let that happen. You can replace hormones. And with women, it's usually a cocktail. They'll look and see a hormone replacement therapist or endocrinologist will look at your blood work and see what you're, what you're deficient on and what you need. And they'll give you a prescription that has the, the, the right amounts of each. So you have like a certain level of progesterone. You have a certain level of estrogen. You have a certain level of DHEA, whatever, the, whatever it is you're low on, they'll give you a cocktail of that. And that's personalized for you. That's the beautiful thing about hormone replacement. It's, it's, it will get you where you need to be. So your quality of life stays very high. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be on hormone replacement therapy for the rest of my life. My parents have been on it for 15 years. It's a no brainer, especially like if you're a dude, like your husband's after the age of 30, 35, they need to be getting their testosterone checked because guess what? Men's testosterone has been declining. The mean level of testosterone for men has declined like tenfold since the seventies. We chalk that up to contaminants in the environment, lifestyle, technology, you know, phytoestrogens and in, in foods, whatever, you know, whatever you want to chalk it up to. But it's a lot lower than it used to be. So, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate for men, especially to have, you know, hormone replacement therapy if it's something that's that they have low. Cause that, that can testosterone is one for both men and women that affects your quality of life in a big way. It's your sex drive, it's your confidence, it's your your sense of well-being, right? It's it's I mean decreases anxiety uh, to have normal level of testosterone versus having low testosterone. Men are at a higher risk of prostate cancer with low testosterone than they are having testosterone in the, in the normal range. Take it to the bank. So what are some other things we can do to convert more thyroid hormone? Because that's a big one, right? Well, one of the biggest things to talk about in my content is iodine and selenium. Now, Hashimoto's ladies, y'all need to be careful with iodine. Before you fuck with iodine, talk to your doctor, okay? But the rest of us, Iodine and, and selenium 
especially vitamin D and magnesium. You want to make sure that you are getting enough of those nutrients. Just look up foods high in iodine and selenium. You'll see things like dairy, seafood, Brazil nuts, sourdough bread, whole eggs, stuff like that. You want to make sure you're getting enough of those foods in your diet every single day because iodine and selenium specifically are thyroid healthy nutrients. The other one, magnesium, I recommend supplementing that. There's 11 different forms of magnesium. Magnesium L3 and 8 is a great one because it it bypasses the blood brain barrier. It's great for the morning. It's good for cognition. It's very brain healthy. Magnesium bisglycinate is another one. It has a relaxing or calming effect, ideal for nighttime, or if you just want to take it during the day to kind of be relaxed. There's a lot of other forms of magnesium. You have Epsom salt, magnesium oxide. There's there's a ton of different ones, but you want to, those two are the ones that, that I recommend, as well as consuming foods high in magnesium. Vitamin D, if you don't get out in the sun a lot, supplementing that can, you know, again, see what your vitamin D is on blood work before you start taking, you know, 10,000 IU. But that's another one. Vitamin D3 is, is a great one to supplement once you know what your what your, what it is on blood work. And then uh, making sure that you have you, you keep carbohydrates in your nutrition, right? Like because again, ladies, carbs and sugar do not make you fat. They don't. Insulin is not a predictor of weight loss. Glycemic load is not a predictor of weight loss. We've proven this with studies. You don't have to eliminate carbohydrates to eat less food. You can elim- you can you can reduce your your overall calories and and get better results, more sustainable results. Okay. It all comes down to how much you're eating as a whole. Protein equated, meaning protein's the important one. When we look at macros, protein, carbs, and fats, right? Protein's the important one. Protein and calories equated, it doesn't matter what you do in terms of low fat, low carb. But I will tell you, it's a hell of a lot more, you know, we can only sustain that, which we can repeat again and again and again over time and get that compound interest from those actions. And you're more likely to do that when you include carbohydrates in your nutrition, aside from the thyroid benefits. All right. So I just loaded y'all with a bunch of information. I hope it was helpful. I hope you got a lot out of this. I'm sure there's stuff that I glossed over and missed. That was just as much as I could cram into one 30-minute episode. If you like this, leave me five stars on here. Share this with a friend who you know is interested in hormones. I do have some exciting stuff coming out regarding hormones. It's stuff that's a long time coming and I'm really excited to, to announce. This is actually the first time I'm even mentioning it on any forum. So you all hear it first. But uh, yeah, really excited about that. And you menopause ladies will be very excited about that. So appreciate you all listening. Hope this was informative. Again, always consult with a physician. You know, tell, I mean, let them sit on this podcast. Tell, tell me, you know, let them tell you what they think. You know, I, I, I love to learn more. So, um, and, and we're always learning. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. So yeah, always willing to learn. So I hope you ladies learned a lot. Have an awesome, awesome rest of your day. And uh, talk to you all soon. Thanks, ladies. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.